anybody that's even seen anything of a silent film and you're thinking, oh, oh these are old these are old movies, silent films, you know. So trash. Sounds like cringy, boring stuff. It's actually a lot more entertaining than you might think. Cinematic Fantastic. Batu, Barada, Nikto. I'll show you who I am and what I am. By a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Fantastic Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Weatherford. And your other host, William Weatherford. Get ready for opinions, dad jokes, and bad jokes. As we watch and review sci-fi and fantasy films from the classics of yesteryear to the new favorites of today. This is the first episode. This is the kickoff. This is the inaugural this is the one that is going to be us trying to figure out what we're doing. The uh, grand opening. The grand opening. This is the one where they take the ribbon out and they get the scissors and they cut it. All right. So, so first, this is, so this is our scissors. Snip. Snip. So here's the thing. First off, my name's Jason, and this is my son William. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hello. Hey. So we've never podcasted before. We are really late to the game. Podcasting has been done for a long time now. Uh, it's gone up in... Ye old ages. Ye old ages, right, right. And honestly, everybody's got a podcast. So the question you might be asking yourselves is, why would you have a podcast? First off, let me start off and just explain why we would have a podcast before we talk about who we are. So, uh, again, I'm a huge film fanatic film fan, whatever you want to call that. I actually did go to school and get a film history and criticism degree. I've done nothing with it, so this is my way of paying off those <laughs> that, that degree. Um, but mostly, I got my love of film just watching a wide variety of different things. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I just, I, I really like movies. I You I've, can do so many things with movies. You can tell many different messages in an easier format because it is you know visual audio music you can do anything and it's pretty cool like books it's pretty difficult to do lots of things with books like you can't do you can't do visuals with books I'll, you have to do like descriptions yeah yeah Mo movies okay well they're all good in their own right all media is useful i think but film has been called truth at 24 frames a second if you if you think photography if it you know can hold a lot i mean think about 24 times that plus as many think about 9900 million frames right frames all right so the thing is i am also in it i have a lot of time on my hands to think about things like that in between phone calls and helping people out with their computer issues that are pressing with william i haven't exposed him to a lot of the stuff that i've watched He's, saw, he's seen a lot more modern stuff, would you say? Yeah. And this is my way of exposing him to some of that, but also having somebody to just talk with about that. Let's talk about, okay, let's talk about the, the technical stuff that we're recording on. We're recording on one mic. So if you guys think it sounds, you know, okay, but a little strange, it's because we've got one mic and we're in my son's bedroom. Uh, we have, um, 
we actually have his pet lizard. Uh, it's a bearded dragon named Nintendo, and he is about pretty cool. yeah, pretty cool. He is about a foot and a half foot away from us, just looking at us as he sits on his rock. Well, that's so, fine. Yeah, of course it is. So he doesn't bother us. He does not bother us at all. You just heard why we wanted to do well. Uh, why I wanted to do a podcast, Bill. Honestly, because I got all this stuff in my head and got to try and find a way to get it out. Um, because I, after all, I am. The, the, the prime, prime target. The, the prime the target. The target of my film nonsense. Yeah, because after all, while I am the spitting image of you... Kind of. Kind of. I'm not to the same caliber of your 40-plus years of Of course living. not. Of course not. Of course, of course not. not. Well, okay. So, and I will tell you that, uh, you know, what makes our podcast different? Why are we just... Okay, well, how are you different at all? Well, uh, I have... Um, ADD. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people like me do. Uh, I have ADD. Uh, my wife says I have some elements of Asperger's that has, have crept in. But um, I've got two sons on the autism spectrum. Pretty cool. Yeah, including me. Still cool. Yeah. William has been diagnosed with uh, Asperger's and ADHD a little bit too. Maybe. So maybe. So honestly, this is a way for him to kind of explore communication as well. He is, you're 14 now? Yeah. Right? Okay. 14. 14. Um, still a young man. All right. So, what? okay, what, what is this podcast about? What are we going to be talking about? Well, we're not just going to be talking about just plain old movies. We're going to be talking about mainly science fiction and fantasy films from the inception of, of film, period. You know, when, when film was actually narrative up until now. Um, we won't just be doing... Science fiction and fantasy, though, because... Of course, we don't want to be limited to, like, just only one thing. Because, after all, if everyone feels like this genre of movie is... If it's really if it's really good and a lot of people will want to see that, of course, we should probably be able to look into that and maybe do it. Well, I, I was thinking we would do science fiction and fantasy, you know, and, and I was thinking, okay, you know, that'd be the great... Okay, that's why our podcast is, is called Cinematic Fantastic. Because it's it's fantastic cinema, you know, like really good. Either either fantastically entertaining, even if it's you know cringy or whatever, fantastically entertaining or fantastically well done. But also the word uh, fantastic has in the word in there fantasy. Fantasy. So you know, I kind of thought limitless imagination. Limitless imagination. I think science fiction and fantasy are are two sides of the same coin. Honestly, I mean, some people may disagree. Um, I believe that too. That's what I think. It's fantasy in a different sense. I think it's all... Honestly, that's why people uh, put it all under... In, in literature, they put it all under speculative fiction. Fiction that speculates and goes, I wonder if. And honestly, some of the best fiction out there says, what if? That's the ultimate question, is what if this happened? What if this happened differently in history? What, what if, if there was a guy in a red suit with webs all over it, and he could swing around and save people... And deliver pizza. Ah, you're referring to Spider-Man 2. Okay, that is... Act- Not specifically. <laughs> well, but... he does deliver pizza in that movie. That's actually, uh, you know, just as a hint, we will be doing that movie in the future. Yeah, we're not so, there yet. We're not there yet. All right, so that's okay. We were going to do science fiction and fantasy, but William said something the other day, okay, that kind of brought a tear to the film nerd's eye. I kind of... He said, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. Tell me if this is right. He said... Could we watch a really good samurai movie, like a Japanese, like old school samurai movie? And you said, did, is that not what you said? Yeah. Okay. 
and instantly in my head, instantly in my head, films like uh, Seven Samurai, Yojimbo. This is the semi-sequel to Yojimbo. Please don't let me nerd out too far. There's other ones, but Seven Samurai will definitely watch. Uh, of course, strap in. That one's about three hours long, so we may take a break on that one. Anyway. Yeah. We do not have what we will eventually hope to have, which is two mics. Uh, but we'll have to see about getting that in the future. Yeah. Let's not jinx that by saying we will or won't, because I I, I don't want to jinx it by saying we were going to do it, because then it won't happen. All right. So, all right. Now, the criteria that we're using for these movies is going to be a little bit different than you might expect. I am trying to kind of stay within certain boundaries. Okay. So, here's my criteria. I'll tell you what. PG-13 and below. Indeed. And, indeed. Um, the reason why is because they they can't. There's only so far they can go with with violence. There's only you know violence for violence if it's necessary to to portray a certain thing. I get it. But violence for violence sake is really unnecessary. Gratuitous, yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right. So another gratuitous. Gratuitous. Another gratuity would be sexual situations. Sometimes they will talk about things. But not in too too hyper detail. They might, you know, somebody might throw a couple of statements out there. Actually, this is going to happen a lot more with the more modern films than the films that we're going to start out with. And and you guys may think, oh well, there's a lot of, you know, really good rated R movies that you guys really should do. And you're probably going to mention things like The Matrix or um, Alien or Aliens. Okay, fine. But let's put it this way: um, there's a lot of really really good stuff that we're going to do. Um, I'm sure that we will not disappoint you. All right. And another reason that we're not doing R-rated movies is because not a lot of people can really watch R-rated movies. They have to be above 18, usually. Well, not all the time, but that's what I I think think should be done, even though they're breaking it. They usually say 17 and above cannot be allowed into the years. But anyway. Yeah, but it's a more accessible audience to see because a lot of people don't really see R-rated movies as much as PG-13 and below, so there will be much more movies that everyone else is widely accessible. So and widely accessible. So fathers and sons and daughters can check it out. All right. So yeah. the other thing is that n- another thing, and and I'll talk about these. These rules are, are these rules are pretty set in stone, but I'll tell you how we'll break them. Break, break or bend them, possibly. The other thing is that the film has to be have sho- has to have been shown theatrically. There's a couple down the pike that I don't think were shown theatrically. Maybe they were limited. They're too insane. What constitutes the, the even the plots of these movies that they just have to be talked about. And that's just going to be for my own fun. Some of the things that we're going to talk about were some of the films. I say films. They were released originally in. TV episode format, um, and they released them theatrically by kind of putting the pilot episode and the, or maybe the first couple episodes together and smush them together, and that was a way that some of the uh, production companies at the time, especially since especially during the '60s and '70s, they were able to make some a little bit more money off of it. Also, their the TV programs that they were showing were not shown in foreign markets. They weren't shown internationally, right? They were only shown in the U.S. where they were... You would have episode, a couple episodes, a pilot episode of a TV show that was only broadcast in America. Then what they want, would do is make a movie out of it 
uh, of out of a couple episodes. You know, re, re, it's a repackaging. They repackage it, so that does mean it was shown theatrically. So that is a way around that. Now the other thing is there will be some movies, like I said, that we will bend or break the rules. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, this is the uh, this is. This is something that is a little bit different. You're probably expecting us just to jump right in and talk about the most well-known science fiction films ever. But we're going to start out with some lesser-known stuff that you haven't seen and stuff that I haven't seen in years or we're only exposed to some plot descriptions and some pictures. And actually watching these, some of these films, was very eye-opening. And I, I, was, I was surprised at how early on some of these that you haven't seen yet I was very surprised in how some of the language of film was really just even in those earliest attempts, all those things that we that a lot of directors and producers and and uh, uh, you know special effects artists use now, they were getting started with it and and using some stuff that that's some very interesting stuff. Anyway, experimenting with what they could do, what was the best thing to do, and mark that for ages to come. Yeah. We wouldn't have anything if it weren't for that. Like, if your great-grandma wasn't born, then you weren't born. This is pi- this is true. Pioneers. Um, you've heard some people, you know, will listen to a band, and then some, you know, after they've gone mainstream, and you'll have some hipster guy will come out and say, well, I knew them before they were big, and before when they were just in their garage messing around experimentally. Uh, we're going to take a break in just a moment, and we're going to go right into talking about uh, two films today. And the reason we talk about two films is because they're short enough that we can talk about it in the time frame and still give them their due. Really early films that we're doing. Like, we're starting chronologically, so to speak. We're starting in the very earliest films. So, right now we um, are recording this in 2021. In case for those people who are living in the future, hello. Hello. Hello, future people. Hello, future people. The two films we're going to talk about are A Trip to the Moon and uh, Frankenstein. This is the 1910 Frankenstein. So we're going to take a break real quick, uh, grab a little bit of water, get our throats unparched. And uh, jump into it. And jump into it. Because after all, we've been spending so long doing this intro. We're just introducing ourselves. They won't even, I know. William, I they, know. We won't, they won't even know who we are. All right, but you'll get to know who we are as we go. You'll get little snippets of our life and our personality throughout, hopefully. So uh, continue watching. Continue. <laughs> Continue watching your phone or your computer as you listen to the audio-only adventures, William. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. So, that must have felt like time travel. Anyway. Yeah. So, the first film that we're going to talk about today is A Trip to the Moon. Uh, this movie is French. It was directed by a French man named Georges Méliès. Came out in 1902. That's correct. Now, since this is a French film with French people making it, feel free to... To, uh, warn you that I'm probably going to butcher the French language. I'm not trying. Yeah. To, I'm not trying to mess up the way you pronounce. After names. all, it's not our first language or second language or our eighth language. Right. So please yeah. do not sue us. A trip to the moon is also called in French "Le voyage dans la lune." I hope, hopefully that was uh, good enough for you. 
So this this movie this movie is very influential um, to not just science fiction science fiction film but film in general. And it was very experimental. Um, so a lot of the things that we look for in film, like an overarching narrative, like or who uh, the people were. Yeah, we don't. The only reason we don't know a lot of things about this. We do know the plot. <laughs> and we yeah, and we do know the names of the characters in it because those those things were written out, and we still have copies of those film historians yes. and restoration. Oh people. my goodness, we would not have these films if not for them, uh, but, and, and other reasons we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. All right, so anyway, you can just to let you know, as an aside, a lot of movies that we're going to talk about, you can rent them or you can find them online in different places. YouTube. Um, you can find uh, A Trip to the Moon on YouTube. The copy that we watched was a colorized copy that was really high quality on HBO Max. It was restored in 2011. Right, right. They, and they the took little shards. Negative, the negative, the, <laughs> ne- the negatives, the film negatives and things like that. So we'll, we'll talk about why they had to restore it. We'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, so first off, let's go into the most interesting part of it, which is the plot, and then we'll go into how it was made who it was made by, the impact that it had. This yeah. movie, A Trip to the Moon, is 16 minutes long. Imagine how long that would have felt to the little kids and stuff who are seeing this. Or the adults. Was, adults and the adults, too. Were, just everyone well, it seeing this just, was, yeah. like, mind-blowing how long this movie was for the tech that they had, for the time that it was, the resources they had, and the development just everything and it was just fantastic a lot of the films that yeah but a lot of the and we'll talk about the word magic in just a minute uh how that relates to this it really does it really strangely enough you know when people say things are 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 movie magic this is definitely uh a form of movie magic all right so as as i go through some of these plot elements if something like stands out at you that's something you want to mention just go ahead and jump right in all right First off, and first off, I will tell you this: anybody that's even seen anything of a silent film, and you're thinking, "Oh, these are old; these are old movies, silent films." You know, so trash. Sounds like cringy, boring stuff. It's actually a lot more entertaining than you might think, especially yeah. if you can find copies of these movies that have uh, have either a modern soundtrack kind of put in, or even an old timey soundtrack, or any soundtrack that they add in. Say is a lot of these silent films after the after this movie is they had these title cards that would have... Words on them. Yeah, so you dialogue. Would know, dialogue, you would know narration. What... You'd, and they would, they would explain. It's almost like watching a live-action comic book in a way. because the... You'd know what they're saying, what their names are, who they like, what their personalities are. Right, but that was a later... De- that was a kind of a later... That was a later development. development. Yeah, All right, right. So th- that wasn't present at all on this. So <laughs> what we do have of the characters' names... And what everything is called has been discovered from some unknown location oh, well, and put onto Wikipedia. We found the tech. We found the tech. We, well, well, yeah, there it is. But we found, we, uh, film historians, they have found the text for this. So we know the characters' names. Um, and and here's, 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 what, here's what they did. Is if you were at the, this picture, of this you're in 1902. 1902. You're in 1902, and you're watching uh, either the first or second showing of a voyage to, or sorry, a voyage des la lune, or a trip to the moon. What you would have seen would 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 be a stage with a screen, and you would have had off to the side. And this is true for a lot of silent films. And I know that William was talking about uh, music being a big component. 
but they would have a little orchestra playing live there, very much like the musicals of old. And then, but this is different. And you, they'd have a guy there as well that you would have a narrator. I, I can't remember his name, uh, the name, the name of that of what that narrator is. And so that's why we know a lot of the names of these. And if I butcher some of these names, they're pretty strange. So <laughs> I'll give it a shot. All right. As the film opens, we see a bunch of people who are sitting in a college-looking area. It's right. like a university. Where, you know, there's a billboard, there's desks, a, there's... Uh, the, a chalkboard. Yeah, like a the chalkboard, board, the stack seats of where the people sit. There are a lot of older guys, uh, older, you know, they've got these long flowing white beards. Uh, the, the interesting thing, part of it is that they they come in bringing telescopes and they... Have they, really tall wizard hats and yes. wizard clothes and they're all sorts of colors and They patterns. do look like wizards of old, alchemists of old. Alright, so they come in... and. And they've got uh, they've got telescopes, and they wave them in the air, and they turn into uh, stools, and they they do it using, of course, uh, uh, the director George Melias. He uses some of this some of the uh, technical wizardry to do that, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. In other words, the cutting the film. So they they turn the they sit down, sit down in the stools, and the president of the astronomy club, his name is Professor Barbenfulis. Uh, Barbenfulis. Well, whatever. I don't know. It's close enough. It's it's ambiguous. Yeah, we're doing the best we can. All right. So then what we do Sorry. is is he starts uh, he starts giving a lecture. He's talking about a project that he wants to work on. He's got the um, at least yeah we we know this because he's gesturing and he's pointing to the chalk uh, the chalkboard and he's drawing a picture of the planet Earth with a little cannon on it with dot, with dots going out. After from it. all, they couldn't explain anything because they knew it was silent. Of course. Yeah, the, so everything they had they had to emote it like very carefully, and they had to it's mime. They're, they had to <laughs> mime it really like extravagantly in order to get their point across. Okay, so so they couldn't you know do anything. They had to do the simplest things in order to get their point across. Get the point across, right? Exactly. So it's, after it's, it's, all, you'd be like, "What on earth are these acting, people doing?" It's acting at the at its highest form, to be honest. All right. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I'm serious. And so, mimes are are also um, French. So maybe that's where that uh, came from. Well, maybe, maybe the ultimate in silent live action film is mimes. Uh, there, most of the guys are, are the scholars there, and I would say guys because they were all men. So he's he's kind of giving his his lecture of what he wants to do. Nobody really agrees to it except these five of the guys: Nostradamus, Alco Frisbus, Omega, Micromegas, Micromegas, and Paraferagaramus. Paraferagaramus. That is I, the oddest I like name ever. Dino, I feel like that's a dino. The that is a dinosaur. That's a dinosaur name. You know, like Parasaurolophus or something. At least Omega, we definitely know is a, a Greek letter. That's pretty easy. See, these to are pronounce. probably Greek. Yes, of some sort, something like that, or right. just made up, probably. The so ladder. there's a space capsule that he's drawing, and it's in the shape of a bullet. Um, just as an, as an aside, we'll talk about where he got some of the ideas for this uh, for this film and what this was inspired by, or what inspired what books? Yeah, what books? So we'll and, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, so they start building this capsule. Um, honestly, between you and me, it does not look like it could hold more than maybe two people. But Yeah, which was probably why they objected. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, like, some of the people were like, I don't know, you couldn't tell. They were like, Ed, I don't think this well, will work. Um, and then they <laughs> smash my head and like, were, no, this will work. If you were to ask me, I would say it wouldn't work either. Because if you think about it, they're like, uh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to uh, volunteer to, for you to put us inside a bullet. Put us in a cannon and shoot us to the moon. Like, how ridiculous no is that? No thanks. 
Um, of course, you know. Of course, they eventually agreed because of well, course plot convenience. They do, but that's a technique for another video. Five of them agree. Five of them agree to go. It's another the brave the bravest ones. The rest of them are like, ah, oh, forget it. All right. Yeah. So, so they get in there. Of course, uh, there are um, there's a, the famous scene where they're enter the the, the the first the first the capsule is built. Uh, then there's a scene which it was a little confusing. It's very. <laughs> we don't understand it. Well, well, what was the scene that was very confusing? It was the scene where... Is they're on the rooftops yeah. in a... It wasn't a city, and it didn't look it, like a city. It, it was like a kind of, of like a, a village town. Kind, kind of. of. Outskirts of a and city. And there was a factory in the distance, and they watch it pit, explode. There's a, and they're there's like, a pit. There's a pit going downwards. And then there's that, a factory. And they pour stuff into the pit and explode. I think, honestly, I think that was that was the fuel or the they gun, were testing they're, they're testing the gunpowder to see if it had the explosive effect. That's what I think. It's, yeah. That sounds pretty... I thought that it was that the factory exploded for some reason and they had to evacuate and watch it explode. But that's, that doesn't really make sense actually, because they want it to happen and... It doesn't, but that's actually more interesting than <laughs> It's my more interesting. Right. All right, so they get in the capsule and there are... Uh, normally you would have, you know, soldiers who would, um, help it there. But in this, uh, movie, George Melies has, and, and I looked this up, they're actually like, uh, they're in the, they're in a ballet. We'll talk about them in, uh, at the, when we talk about the cast. They're in a ballet. That's, so, so they are, these, these women, uh, are guide the bullet into, uh, the cannon after the five. And guys, they have after really, the five guys, and not not, and the, not, the, not the pizza place. Really showing legs, like no, it's the, their costume. No, was they like had their their legs showing and stuff. What was it? Really five guys shorts. burgers. It was, it was a it was a okay. Sorry, it was five guys burgers, right? So these so these five guys get in the cannon and they launch it off, and then we get an iconic scene, which it's actually this. It's actually the. Uh, picture that we get. Yeah, we'll talk about the cannon later because we just <laughs> skipped over the cannon. Well, no, the cannon is. We just talked about it. That's about as far as it gets. Yeah, right. it was shot out of a cannon, just so you know. Probably made out of metal, of course, and really long. Yes. So then, so then it gets, and then you see the capsule hit the. Yes, I'm not kidding. The man in the moon. Uh, an it actual, was a moon an with a face. Dude's face. Okay. Because so, everything apparently had a face in this universe. <laughs> Well, the thing is, they call it the man. They call it the man moon because if you look at the moon, it looks kind of like a face. If you look at the the dark and light spots, and people have always done that, but that it's not. They're not saying that the moon actually had a face. Uh, they're using some kind of fantastical. What we, what the term is surreal, which means dreamlike. They're imagining a man in the it's moon. It's very. This whole thing is very. <laughs> of course, it's not real, dreamlike. but that's. That is the point of film in this. It was very fantastical, and they could do, like, you could think anything with your imagination. Like, see, I just did it now. I just, wow. It's so easy, literally. It's the only. Especially for children. Only, it's the only country worth going to is the imagination. All right. <laughs> imagination so, land. Yes, imagination land. All right, so they land safely on the moon, go figure, and the astronomers get out of the capsule uh, they do not need spacesuits. They do not need breathing apparatus. And what was whatsoever. really interesting was yeah. how they portrayed the moon's surface is very different from what we know it today. Because today we know that it's you know it has a bunch of craters in it. Very it rock, is very rocky, very flat. Gray it's just and always white. flat the entire way it's around. Not entirely what flat. The, it's very bumpy and, and it's craggy. still very bumpy and craggy. But it was like just generally really flat plains. 
All of them. Oh, you're talking about in the uh, in, Apollo 18, right? The Apollo 18? Like, from what we know what of Apollo the moon 12, surface and from what we know of the pictures that we took in nowadays, and, of course, it looks like it's flat anyway. So, the moon's surface, in the scene, they have tall spires and mountains and stuff. They're mm-hmm. really tall. Yeah. All over it. So, I thought that was really interesting portrayal of what they might have thought the moon's surface was actually like. Well, and they do, <laughs> Of course, in this universe, They maybe. do get some elements wrong, of course, because no one's ever been there yet. Yeah. So, the, the, so they still have these ideas, these fantastical it's ideas. It's imagination. When right. it come for um, 40, 50 years. Yeah, exactly. 60 well, years? 60 let's see, years? it was about, yeah, it was about 60, it was, honestly, it was about 60 plus years before we actually landed on the moon after, after 1902. Um, so they would have had to wait 60 years to actually see something. For now, like they that. had, um, they had probably, like, uh, they had observations they made, probably ch- the Chinese also observed the moon. Yeah. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of different people did. Okay, so here's here's the thing. Uh, they they look off in the distance. They see uh, the Earth rise, which you know we'll t- we'll tell you we'll talk about how they what it looks like in the movie. All right, so they're tired, so they they pull out their blankets and they lay down and they go to sleep. They don't blow away or have like moon gravity as we know it. No, there's none of those things that we. None know. of those things. It's basically. Earth, if it was entirely gray and mountainous. Yeah, but it's also, this is more like, that's what makes this more like a fantasy. So, off in the distance, you see the planet Saturn, uh, and a little door opens up in it, and, the, and there's a man, he sticks his head out, and it's the god Saturn. And, and then, there's comets, and you know, the stars have faces. Stars have faces. There's the... Uh, goddess Phoebe, which is a god, who god, also moon appears. goddess who also has her own moon, which is really weird. Yeah. Because they're on the moon, and right. so there's another moon that she sits on. Yes. And then there's two children holding a star, which, of course, don't have and faces, sprinkle, apparently. Don't they, spr- <laughs> they sprinkle down, like, like They sprinkle snow. down, like, snow, or dust or sand. You can't really tell. So it's probably... It's snow if you think if the black and white one was true. But, of course, in the colored version that we watched, um, of course, they didn't color it, so it's probably snow... Or, because after all, or they, if they colored it yellow, then who knows? Okay, so the, then the snowfall actually wakes them up, um, and they go into a cavern and they find mushrooms, um, giant mushrooms, and they've got um, they get, this is kind of a cool thing they have. They have these umbrellas that they have, and one of the guys, I think it's the main guy. He puts his umbrella, sticks his umbrella in the ground, and it turns into a mushroom. Which is really crazy. You know, it's just, they're just doing whatever they can, whatever they can get away with experimentally, and we'll talk and about it. And it was that. also pretty cool how they could transfigure the umbrella into the mushroom, how they did. It's, the, it's stop motion. <laughs> they're, they're showing off how cool it was. But we'll get to that in the tech, um, when we talk about all the techniques that the they use. The cinematography and the production. Okay, so... Now we get to, okay, we find out that the moon is not completely barren. There actually are, is a civilization that lives there. Um, Now, we know, they are not called this in the movie, but we know this because of the book uh, that that this is based off of. They're called Selenites after Selene, which is a moon goddess. All right, so anyway, a Selenite who looks kind of insectoid, a little bit, almost. They look like kind of skeletal. Yeah, they have, they have shells. Little, they have these little skeleton-looking like ribs. Rib, they have ridges all over their body. Yeah, and they kind of have beaks, like 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 a bird. 
They're weird. Just trust yeah. me. Yeah. Really funnily, when the selenite comes in, there's like a little goof where you can see the selenite as the mushroom comes up. He's just waiting there for 30 seconds. All throughout the scene, you can see him waiting there. See him off the, off the edge. I think they... With, they, couldn't, um, they couldn't really see it, so... And plus, they wouldn't um, want to, you know, re-render the entire scene. Because, exactly. Because it, was, it would take so long to redo it that they were just like, eh, whatever. Right. So, the... Um, when the selenite comes in, he hits him with his umbrella, and he turn he turns into uh, a puff of smoke. So he just he just explodes. He just explodes, which is cool in terms of this, but doesn't make any sense. So just basically just <laughs> if it go, did make sense, then it explode in the chunks. But then it would be R rated. That so. is gross. All right, so, and we can't do if it's R rated. So. so that guy turns to smoke, and then the next guys come in, and they get turned to smoke too. When they get when they get they're surrounding the astro- uh, astronomers, uh, sort of I say astronauts. The astro- they are kind of astro- yeah. ast- astronomers, and they hit them with their umbrella, and they they turn to puffs of smoke. It's like a little battle thing that happens. So eventually they get overtaken, uh, and if it looks like I'm rushing through the plot. I'm telling you, it's only 16 minutes long. It's there's not much to go off. We of. are there's not much to go off of, but it, again, there is just a lot of they are trying to show off what they could do. Well, goodness, it is um, thundering outside. It's thundering outside, kind of creepy. I love it. All right, it's thundering outside. Nice. All right, so uh, the astronomers get taken back to the Selenite King. Okay, and the Selenite King, uh, yeah, he might look. You know, ostentatious on his throne there, but just as easily as any other Selenite, he gets plucked by the head astronomer, he gets plucked off the chair on the throne and thrown on the ground like so much nothing, and he's turned into dust. It turned into exploded in dust. Yeah, because after all, you can't capture astronomers. Not even Selenites can capture astronomers. Well, so basically, if you encounter an astronomer, watch out. He's coming for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He will you explode know, you. You know what? I I'm always afraid of astronomers because I'm afraid they're going to hit me and I'm going to explode. I, but honestly, that's the worst you know uh, adaptation that a creature could possibly even have is any kind of impact destroys them. Anyway, all right. So they run. You know, for some reason, they killed the king. So I guess they're going to run back to the capsule and escape. Yeah, because after all, they got captured. Right. So they're but, like but, they're but, like we got to get the heck out of here because. Yes. Goodness me, we found aliens. Right, so five of them get in the capsule, but the main guy, Barbin Foolis, he cannot cannot get in the capsule, and so he's got because it's stuck in there. They closed it, and so he's stuck. like, "No." Yes. So what he does? The, the, this is this is this is, is the take... this is the logic of a dream. Okay, go ahead, tell me what he's doing. Yeah, so he takes a rope, he attaches the rope somehow to a smooth surface, <laughs> and he. Like, he pulls on the rope with his body. He just throws himself at that rope, and he pulls it down a crater, which apparently is not a crater, but actually the edge of the moon, even though it wasn't previously. When they crashed, it apparently took a big chunk off the moon. But it drops. It drops. (laughs) Hey, gravity's a thing now. So it drops like like you're dropping it from a height, and it drops into the ocean. Without any heat at all, it did not get really hot. It did not like do anything because they didn't know that the outer surface would make it hot. But not only Barbin, not only Barbin Foolis 
uh, gets on the capsule, but also a Selenite. So we have an, an alien so he's being like, <laughs> makes trade... his way to Earth. Yeah, he is a stowaway on the ship. Right. And so they discover him, and they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to take this dude, and he's going to become our slave. That, uh, we'll, we're going to go into that. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go into that. Right? All right, so... In many early, in many copies before they before they found some of this footage, the story stopped when they crashed into when they the crashed ocean. into the ocean and they got towed uh, ashore. But the additional scenes that they found, I actually think, cinch the plot and make it make sense. Yeah, uh, especially if you know some stuff about George Melies, it makes sense. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, what happens is. They come in and they have this wonderful parade. You have you've got trumpeters. Mar- yeah, they, they have a march. Everybody comes through. Everyone's um, in a parade. The Marines, the, ladies, the Marine ladies, yeah, the ladies. They're, they're all holding hands and dancing around. A, like, a big statue of Barb and Phyllis. Um, and what happens is they have the captured Selenite. They have a rope around his neck, and they're ma- and they're making ma- him, make him run around. But they make him dance a little bit for the uh, for the entertainment entertainment of the people. Um, if that if that sounds anything like what I'm about to talk about, it's going to make sense to you in a minute. All right, so uh, there is we tried to find it. There's a little bit of text on the statue of Barb and Foolis that they make, and it's it's Latin. It says uh, "Labor omnia vincit," which what means, does that mean? work um, conquers conquers all. all. Work conquers all. So basically, it's like. Um, I think I think that I think it's it's basically you know, uh, it's basically saying slavery is a good thing. Oh, uh, that's kind of what you got <laughs> out of that. All right, so well, it like technically slavery was bring, still around. Well, it definitely was. It All definitely right. was still around. So here's around. the thing, though. This was, uh, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll talk about George Melius. Okay, the director was an anti-imperialist and. Uh, Britain was Britain is very imperialist. They had, you know, kings and queens still do, but yes, yes. Okay, so have. Here, let me explain this for just a moment. Here's what's going to happen: is is they um, another anti-imperialist, H.G. Wells, wrote a book from the Earth to the Moon, um, and Jules Verne, another Frenchman, wrote a book, uh, A Trip to the Moon, and these two books had elements in them that Georges Méliès squashed together to make this. Movie. So an anti-imperialist um, in H.G. Wells, which we're going to see some of his works done in movies. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. I can think of two off the top of my head right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, then... And they have the no, title three. of A Trip to the Moon, and then both of the things squished together. Yes. All right. So, and, um, and George Melius was very anti-imperialist. Uh, you know, imperialists many times would... Go okay. Well, let's. We want to find you know new land to conquer for our king or queen. We've got a flag. We've got a ship. Let's go. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Columbus, uh, you know, discovered um, the West. Some of the West, what we now call the West Indies, and uh, you know, it's San Salvador, El Salvador, San Salvador, um, somewhere near the Dominican Republic, but is now. Uh, that's. Don't quote me on that. That's what I'm thinking. And they, of course, brought back. Uh, um, people of color, slaves, uh, indigenous people from Africa. Well, they weren't. Well, they weren't from. They weren't originally from Africa, but they were Africa later. Right. All right. So they would take them uh, to the king and queen, along with all the different things that they found, trade goods and things like that. And they go, okay, look, you know, you gave us all this money to go find 
you know, what we, you know, to find trade routes and things like that. And look, look what we found. But what happened to the indigenous person that they brought back? I mean, I'm sure they were probably treated like um, a uh, uh, a freak show or something like that. Like, come look at this uh, strange person, and they, you know, uh, watch him dance. Now dance for me. You know, it just it sounds so so. So if you think about it, it looks a trip to the moon looks very fantastical, but in the end, it has a little bit of a political message at the end. It doesn't beat you over the head with it, but if you if you pay attention, you could kind of pick some of those things up. So first off, um. What the thing, one thing we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast was about magic. And the thing about magic is that it was um, done on the stage. People would misdirect you and you would look at you would look at this particular thing and they You'd see a man chopped in half. Yeah, man on chopped a in half. Table That's floating. One. Yeah, card tricks, all those, yeah, those kind of things. Those classic things. Those illusions. Well, um, the perfect person to do uh, this film was George Melies because he was an illusionist himself. Uh, he loved magic tricks. In fact, he had his own uh, theater called the Robert Houdin, and that was actually where uh, a lot of um, magic was magic done. and illusion was done. That and was it was the, very popular in the illusionist industry because, well, he was an illusionist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And strangely enough, uh, he. Or interestingly enough, he was what would some people would call an auteur. We'll talk about what an auteur is as we go through these podcasts. The thing about an auteur is they're involved with every bit of the process. Uh, they direct, they're, they're directing, they're producing, the writing, even the acting. Um, and he was because he he, he was Professor Barbenfuli. He was Professor Barbenfuli, or Fuli, whatever. <laughs> he <laughs> he was the, he was the professor. He wore the beard. So, the, but the thing is, he was he, he stu- did he a lot of things. Three hundred, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. I think he he, he was um, no three hundred of the five hundred twenty films that that George Melius did. Um, and but sadly enough. A lot of the films of George Melies we do have because of, of, of uh, that we have rediscovered um, the, the the great historians and the and the and the and the restorers. Oh, thank thank God for them. Um, but a lot of them we don't have, and this is the reason why is because the George Melies later on in his career, after he's shown a lot of these things, I don't think he was very successful monetarily. He's he, and partly because um, Thomas Edison. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. So what happened is it, that's one reason why he wasn't as successful. And we'll talk about uh, Mr. Edison in just a minute. And he's actually going to take up a little bit of part of um, of both of. He's going to be the connecting tissue between the two films that we talk about. We'll talk. I'll tell you why. Yeah, because we're gonna do that shortly. Yes, we will. Second film. Second film. Now we're still talking about still talking about a trip to the moon. All right. So a lot. And he. What happens is George Melies had a breakdown. Uh, mental. Uh, he probably had a lot of stresses. He destroyed a lot of his films. Um, and the thing is, though, we have copies. And the reason we have copies of A Trip to the Moon, uh, this is kind of a good and a bad thing. So he gave the film um, to certain groups to to show. Uh, and the people really liked it because it was absolutely mind-blowing. It was. it was amazing. The illusionary was fantastic. You know, the yeah, things they had did never seen anything like this before. immaculate. Yeah, yeah. All right, so they'd never seen anything like this before. Um, and it was given to uh, Thomas Edison's film company that he had, 
uh, and they made copies of it uh, without without telling uh, Georges Melies. So that, and so, so, that he, he was, so that he could make most of the money off of it. Yeah, and uh, Edison with his own company. Well, Edison had a uh, had a habit of doing that with a lot of different things. Some people would call would you know would say that he would buy up patents. And then when somebody tried to make a particular invention or something that had anything to do, slightly even anything to do with that patent, he would sue the heck out of them or, or whatever. Um, and a lot of these patents were not things that he invented himself. It was a lot of the people that worked for him. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But honestly, uh, we have so many copies of this film uh, or, or that we can you know, restore because he was one of the first film pirates or, or, you know, call those, you know, uh, movie pirates, uh, you know, the people that steal, steal movies. Anyway. So, um, Georges Melies also, there was another movie that he did after this called the impossible voyage, which is very similar. But uh, of course, not really. It was still fantastical, but not as fantastical. pretty fantastical. Actually, wasn't, I, wasn't much sci-fi. I think it was more fantastical than the previous film because they actually go to the sun, which and and they and the characters in it. I won't bore you with the details, but they basically are acting like, oh, it's really hot. Um, it's the sun. <laughs> it's the sun. It's, it, it, it can turn you into a gas within it, it will, feet of impact. And you the can't sun. even land on it. It doesn't have a surface. It's literally a ball of gas. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some of the cast real quick. Now we don't know a lot about these about these people. We know a little bit, so we'll we'll talk about that. We won't go into too much detail because we don't have a lot of knowledge about them. And after all, we are covering two movies. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, the other movie has a lot less actors in it. All right. Yes. So the cast of this, uh, of course, um, as I said before, George Melies played Professor Bar- Barbin Foulis, and. The lady who played the Phoebe, the woman on the crescent moon, was uh, Bluette Bernon, and he uh, Melias found her when she was uh, when she was performing as a singer in a cabaret uh, a long Which time ago. Was what? Well, what is a cabaret? A cabaret is a French word for like a, like a club that people would go to. You know, they would they would um, they would eat food. They'd watch uh, a singer or an instru- somebody play an instruments or, or do a dance or something like that. Hopefully, not a strip dance. Not a strip dance. That was this is yeah. A, it's not a strip club. Of no, course. it's not. A cabaret was actually it was a little bit more upscale. Yeah, kind of like a cafe. Yeah, kind of. You know, with you know, or, or jazz club. You know, kind of cool. All right. So, um, a lot of the other people in uh, in these. Uh, weren't actors all the time. They were actually camera operators and people that built the sets and things like that. And because after all, a lot of people took a bunch of different roles. Nowadays, we know we have directors, executive directors, and producers of all sorts and all sorts of roles, <laughs> specialists. That We literally have so many people that we need to be able to make movies efficiently. But they didn't have that they were just a couple people well they didn't have they, <laughs> in the garage they, yeah exactly um so so the people that, that played the selenites were acrobats of the folies berger sorry if i'm uh messing that up and yeah. the ladies who uh were the canon attendants and the stars that was the ballet of the, the- theatre du chatelet okay sorry about that <laughs> doing the best i can so anyway let's talk about the production real quick um like i said the ideas, uh, they actually asked him in 1930 
what inspired him for a trip to the moon, and he said it was From the Earth to the Moon and Around the Moon by Jules Verne, uh, written in 1865 and 1870, uh, respectively. Cinema historians have have suggested that The First Men in the Moon, which came out in 1901, uh, a French translation which was available months before he made the film, uh, was another influence. I mean... You can pretty much tell a lot of influences. Very well, interesting. The shooting of the of the projectile and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the second half, uh, I mean, the first half was 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 derived from Verne, and the second half was derived from Wells. Okay, so a lot of the way that he designs um, um, his movies use stage uh, things that you would ordinarily see in the stage, like uh, cutouts, painted items. Uh, instead of instead of CGI and 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 visual uh, visual spectacle, you've got things sliding in uh, that, that that were built. Um, so so these are all theater uh, t- type elements. He would intercut those with um, jump cuts, where you would stop the camera, move, so that you could put a different object or yeah. have an object that can actually move. Yes, as compared to a. As compared to a billboard right, that yeah, they yeah, use well, in the theater, because right. the bullet was a, down in the scene ropes. where they fall um, from the bullets, and the bullet falls into the sea with the rope and the selenite on it. Um, there was a really obvious cut. Of course, they needed the cut. Yeah, was used to turn that billboard cut out into an object that could fall. Right. Also, or a special effect. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they didn't have CGI. Well, though, the, so it was no, like, they did not. No, the, they the, did not. They did not. Well, the thing is, without a lot of the things, they even that, have that, computers. Well, no, they didn't. The things that we use nowadays to kind of cut corners with that, nobody had back then. So what they had to do is do the best they could with what they had, and 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 maybe that kind of encouraged a little bit more creativity. Because um, after all, limitation breeds creativity. It can. It can. All right, so the other that's a good one. So the other That's a great one. Yeah, I love it. The other thing that I would mention would be um uh there's a there's a scene where they drop the ship into the ocean. What they did is they dropped it into an aquarium because you see these little uh new, lizard new, well, they, they're not I think they're tadpoles. They're tadpoles with the they're they're early frogs. Tadpoles. Early, early frogs. Early frogs. They still had their they had their legs but not <laughs> But not actually being a frog, technically. Right, not completely, but they're they're very, very, very interesting looking. All right, so so what I will tell you is uh, a lot of the elements of it were were theatrical. Um, They have, they've inspired a lot of films that came after. To be in a theater sort of sense, because after all, theaters were the show before movies. Okay, but one, okay. So one thing we're going to see in the movies going forward, and in the next movie we'll talk about, we'll talk about some of the differences in turn. But a lot of the shots that we find in A Trip to the Moon are wide shots. They're all wide. They're not. There's no close-ups. There's, there's no, no anything. There's the, no faces that the they camera focus on. is static. Static camera. The static camera helped out with the jump cut uh, special effects that they did. You know, it, it helps that the camera stay still when you stop it and start it. And after all, it was pretty heavy to move around because it was this Probably big, so. giant thing that you crank in order to do a camera. Nowadays, we just press a button, but they had to physically crank it. What, what, about, what about dissolves? 
They did. Uh, they did dissolve shots. Dissolve shots. Those were very creative. They overlaid. Um, the, well, those are things that we that we take for granted now. Everybody, yeah. does, everybody do, does transitions and dissolves. But back then, they, this was all experimental, and it was fantastical to them. And now we just take it for granted. Yeah. Now we're just like, hey, it's a dissolve shot, a star shot. <laughs> oh, star wipes. I hate star the, wipes. Gen, gen, general wipes. Just any kind of wipe. Well, yeah. No, the, Toilet the, wipes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, 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 the thing about uh, the guy who would do a lot of those wipes later would be uh, George Lucas. He, he didn't do any star wipes, thank God. All right, so the music that, that we heard was very strange in the HBO Max version of this. Of course, not sponsored. Not sponsored by them. <laughs> there are there are, Honestly, if you like a lot of classic movies and newer movies, it, I'm, not, I'm not getting paid to say this, but it would be a good idea to get HBO Max. Uh, one reason I would say this is because they have a lot of older movies um, that you're not going to find in, in a lot of places. Uh, and a lot of the movies that we do are actually on there. Um, and we'll, t- we'll tell you how to find some of these movies that we talk about. All right. So we're going to take a... Uh, well, first off, before we take a quick break, I want to know what you thought. You've never seen anything like this before. And I've seen it once before in my life. Give me your honest opinion. I mean, the, the, just the good, bad, the ugly. What do you think? What, what did you think of it before we move I on? I thought it was, it was really like interesting. It was like kind of confusing, of course, because <laughs> there was no title cards yet. But I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty great. I mean, it was groundbreaking, but <laughs> not like groundbreaking in a sense of. We have 40 graphics now. Right, right. No. The, <laughs> it was to them, but not to us. Yeah. We already have 40 graphics. But honestly, graphics. A, lot of the things, a lot of the things that we, I mean, they were, or, we're not going to expect them to do all the things we, we do now. I mean, this was just. Yeah, this but was this ba- was setting up this the was basics. baby films. This was baby film This time. was setting up the basic fundamentals it was crawling. of what they needed. This was a baby and it was crawling. Because after all, we need a baby in order to turn it into an adult. Exactly. Um, so and and think we wouldn't even know about these things and how to do these things and the things we have today would of course be completely non-existent if it weren't for this film and the other films that he made probably previous. Yeah. Apparently he did a Cinderella film, he but did. of course we're already on trip to the moon, so we're not gonna go backwards in time. Right. So, really? but we are going to in some of the episodes coming up, uh, and we'll announce on the website and our Twitter. Uh, we'll give you that. At the end. We'll give you what those are. Those addresses for those at the end of of the podcast. So, um, and we're going to let you know what our next episodes are going to be. I'm ac- I actually some of these I've seen before, and and a couple and some of, of these I've seen before. Yeah, and a couple of these uh, I have not. And watching them, I was. Uh, we'll talk about this when we get to that episode. But I was shocked at how a lot of the language of film that we still get. Now, um, that that directors use to to portray emotion, to have us focus on a particular thing, to have us feel a certain thing, it's baked in there. It's baked in there, and and that's and that's and that's what that's what I really liked is even though it was silent, I was able to understand everything that was going on and, and, was, and get and, and and be and be entranced in, 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 in by the story. So um, this was like the first great like overall film, the first great sci-fi film. And it was like, it was, 
It may have not been the first first one, but it's most memorable and groundbreaking. It was the first one where people definitely learned all about movies and what they were and how we're going to start. It's very, I, I, the word I would use is very I, iconic. iconic. Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. All right, we're going to take a break real quick, and then after that we're going to talk, about, talk about our next film. Which is Frankenstein, it's Frankenstein. the silent version. It's, ni- it's 1910. It's a 1910 version of Frankenstein. Um, it is made by the Thomas A. Edison uh, movie production. See, see, I told you we were going to have a connection, con- uh, uh, a connection between the two movies. But All of right. course, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We so are. let's jump right out and then jump right back in. All right, we're going to take a quick. We're going to take a quick break. Stop. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Yep. So the second film that we watched was also very short. Um, it was the 1910 uh, silent horror film Frankenstein. Very uh, classic. Very classic. Uh, well, yes, it's a classic story. The, the not really spooky though. No. Um, the thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. The. Uh, the one that, that ends up being classic in a lot of people's mind is the 1931 Frank. I believe it's 1931 Frankenstein, uh, done by Universal Studios. The one with Boris Karloff. We'll uh, also eventually watch that. But, but right now we're on the way earlier one. The way, in fact, it was. Uh, it's generally recognized by film historians as the first screen ad- adaptation of Mary Shelley's work, Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus. And it was written in 1818, so quite a bit, a few years before. Um, and it also, was, at the, and it's also 1818, which is really funny, because it's 18 and then another 18. Nice. Exactly. Okay, so uh, it was produced by Edison Studios. That's Th- Thomas A. Edison. That's the light bulb guy. Um, also, it was directed by J. Searle Dawley. He also wrote the screenplay. He, it's broadly based as a scenario on the book, but it's broadly based. It's, there's literally nothing left. No chops. It's it's absolutely nothing but the basics. But it was really early times, so of course it's the basics. As we discussed, if we don't have the basics, then we wouldn't like the things we have now wouldn't even exist. This is. The fundamentals. It does have intertitles. Um, that's text on the screen. So we do kind of know what's what's happening. Intertitles were developed in the eight years between. <laughs> Possibly so. Um, yeah, Of course so. Eight or nine years. Yep. Eight or nine years. So let's, let's first let's, let's talk about the plot and then we'll go into the cast. We don't know a lot about the cast at all. Yeah. All right. It's so, literally just. Three, four people. Three or four people, exactly. All right, so as the film starts, we've got young uh, Frankenstein. His name in the book is Victor, but it's not mentioned. He's just called Frankenstein. Um, So he's discovering the mystery of life after two years at university. So whereas a lot of other people were um, discovering fraternities, he was discovering the mystery of life. So he was probably sitting in the, you know, he sits in his study and he looks off. In the distance, you know, and... and ah. Doing his secret calculations. <laughs> calculations. Yeah, you don't exactly know what he's doing, but he looks like he's coming up with something. And the half-life equation. The half-life equation. So anyway, he uh, <laughs> he gives life to a creature, 
let's put it that way, uh, built by using different chemicals. He pours some different chemicals into a vat. And, and we it, don't know what they are, of course. It's no. Black, it's black and white. It's well, just, it's a mystery <laughs> of life. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's the secret mystery of life. It's it's the chemicals that God used. Yes. So the thing that happens in the, uh, in the, in the movie is that he pours these into uh, this little vat kind of thing and puts it in the kind of, the kind of the, this, uh, it kind of looks like a little vault with a little slide, uh, a slide window so he can watch the, uh, the you know, what's happening. Watch Frankenstein's monster being created. Watch Frankenstein's, cre- yeah, monster creature being created. So in the book, the the monster or, cr- or creature is created by sewing together uh, the, the body parts of corpses. But in this, it's just this flesh or dirt and moss and it was created junk. by i don't know Honestly, i don't i don't know what piece together they don't even show it they couldn't even well okay well, in, they could, in they... the in the movie you can tell that things are running backwards uh as far as, as far as the special effects concerned because there's smoke and it's running backwards and the pieces are you know bringing itself together so they probably had a full full length full prop and they burned it and and the and the pieces burned and fell off, and so when they'd run it backwards, it looked like it forms itself. Anyway, as that, that is the technology part. As it's going, I know I shouldn't have made fun of this at all, but it was kind of funny. There's uh, to show that he's coming to life. His arm is out at an angle, and it's and got he's waving. And he's, he's got he's like, like Hello. they got a chain on it, and they're moving it back and forth, and while they're having him, sorry, while they're having him get pieced together. And it looks like he's waving. Hello, how are you doing? Hello, don't forget about me. <laughs> don't forget. Do not forget. So he's. Um, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't. Yeah. So he's getting created, and uh, and the the monster comes out. Uh, you know, Frankenstein's very excited. Then the monster comes out, and he is he's horrified instantly. Um, like, what did you expect? Yeah, you thought that he well he earlier in the movie he says, you know, or uh, he says that he's going to have the most perfect create creature ever, and I'm like, uh, okay, do you know what do you know what you're making it out of? You're They're make- doing a lot of assumptions about. There's a lot of assumptions about creation. That, that it was evil and that he was evil and everything. Well, okay, in the in the book he is. Uh, he doesn't know English. He doesn't know a lot of things. He's he's a, he's a switz. So he's from uh, Switzerland? Yes, yes. Uh, Vic- he's not German. Yes, okay, you're right. I want to mention that. Victor Frankenstein is not German. He is uh, Swiss. He's from Switzerland. Okay, so anyway, Geneva, actually. So, uh, right? So, okay, in the in the uh, movie, the creature comes out, and he looks really creepy. He's making these mugging, making weird faces. So, evil? Uh, creeper? Maybe a creeper. But he comes out um, in. He comes out, and what does he do next? He 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 follows. He, he uh, oh oh uh, Frankenstein pa- passes out after a really creepy scene where the creature comes through a uh, a slit in the curtain and that of was, his bed. While that he's is kind of creepy, like a like almost like a nightmare demon coming out of his out of his nightmares to kill him and then it and then he slips back into him and disappears and you know and uh, victor wakes up and goes oh what what happened and so he just decides to go back home uh okay and then he, go, he goes back home and um but the creature followed him the creature follows him um he's like daddy yeah daddy daddy yeah so he follows yeah he follows him home daddy <laughs> okay <laughs> okay that's, creeping, o- you, that's over the top you're creeping your father out right now 
All right, so what they do is they go, uh, uh, he, okay, Victor is getting married. We do know that. He is getting married. He writes a letter to his, to his wife, very sweet. He says, I'm going to come back home after I do, after I do these experiments uh, and we'll get married. So he does that. And what ends up happening is uh, the creature uh, comes, comes to him on, on his wedding night uh, to try to attack his, his, him and his bride. And, but I will tell you, there's an interesting thing they do in this. They actually do some close-ups, and they do, they do, they do some static one-shots, you know, long, long shots, but they do some close-ups. So at least that's, that's something better. And they do the intertitles, so that's at least something better. But they're, the, the camera angles were still pretty static and not constantly moving Except around. there was one where they used a mirror, and you could see the creature wasn't on, in the scene, but you could see him reflected scene. in the mirror. In this scene. And it was creepy. It was kind of creepy. And There's people, a mirror that they used in that scene. And other directors have done something. Stu- other directors have done stuff like that now, um, you know, in modern times. But it's interesting to see that kind of in there. You see, kind of the birth of we're trying some new things, you know, because you're you're controlling what the audience sees with that camera. So, um, and the 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 different the big biggest difference. <laughs> there's a lot of differences between. The book we could talk about them all day, uh, every single one. But suffice it to say, the creature (spoiler alert) uh, sees his reflection in the mirror um, and and disappears. Okay, uh, he does not kill uh, uh, Victor's bride. He, do, he, in, he does kill her in the in the uh, in the book, right? Yeah. Okay. He does that that in the in the book, but he doesn't do that in this version of the movie. In this version of the movie, they speed it up to the point. Yeah, but they they speed it up to the um, second book, The Bride of Frankenstein, where in which <laughs> Frankenstein's monster right. wants uh, to find a bride, and so they he immediately wants a bride. So therefore, we're so, skip- so, so those are, yeah, we're skipping everything. All right, yeah. So what what William's referring to is The Bride of Frankenstein, which is a movie that came out in the '30s, and that movie, I believe, and that movie was the sequel to uh, the first Frankenstein movie in 1931. Universal did. Um, where they took elements from the book and kind of spread them over to movies, um, so to speak. All right, so now here's the thing about this movie is, is yeah, the the Frankenstein monster, by today's standard, looks kind of janky uh, in the way he looks. Um, looks weird. But even then, people took it really seriously, and they were saying things like, you know, this... This kind of there was even a, a review of the movie that said this kind of rubbish and this horror and this filth should not be put out there. For so again, nothing has changed ever. Science fiction and and, and horror movies or fantasy, um, even early stuff, people were saying that it was you know that it was, should not be shown and it was it was a uh, curse, scandalous, scandalous, scandalous. People should not see it. Um, so we don't know a lot about the people that that were in it we know that uh the the uh fiance elizabeth was played by mary fuller uh charles stanton ogle portrayed the monster we don't know a lot about what movies he was in but we surely remember the picture still of him as as the creature and augustus phillips played frankenstein so a lot of it was filmed in edison studios uh in the bronx new york um Jay, like I said, Jay Searle Dolly is the one that uh, directed it. He shot it in three days to do it. Um, so they designed it to 
they didn't even put the most horrific aspects of the book in there. They de-emphasized that. And they just kind of left it kind of mystic and psychological and left it from there. Because interesting, though, the psychological element, would you say, like when he disappears, when he's in the mirror, it's then replaced by Victor's reflection. So it's kind of like... He was saying it in himself and it yeah, wasn't real. I am, I am the monster. The monster is you. You know, you were the monster all along. Is Baba that is you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the zombie is you. All right, so uh, they tried to tried to remove a lot of the things that were repulsive, but again, people were, you know, some of the reviewers were still kind of repulsed by it. Uh, and then that was the end of the movie. They did not end it on an iceberg where Frankenstein's monster went. Nor right. did Frankenstein um, Frankenstein's monster learn to talk. Exactly. They they just literally. Actually, that, that's a lot. That if you when we get to nineteen uh, thirties Frankenstein uh, Universal movies, we are definitely going to see that he has limited talking ability. Um, it does not. It, he's not as as ver- verbal as he is in the book. And actually, that's what makes the book, I think, all the more scarier because he's um, he's philosophizing on like everything and about life, the nature and about of creation, the nature of God, who he was. Uh, the devil. All, you know, uh, you know, fathers, sons. Honestly, there's a lot more depth to uh, the book version of, of Frankenstein, um, than the filmed version. There are some filmed versions that are a little more, uh, faithful to the book, um, um, than the, you know, than, than the movies were, but we'll watch some of the ones that were more iconic and recognizable, you know, um, instead of that, to be honest. But for now, um, we've reached the end of the plot and we've already talked about the production. Not too much to say about the production. And I think that, I think the things that were, that, most interesting is that they used the camera angles with the mirror and they used the reverse footage to create the creature and the makeup was was weird looking that's about all i could be but it was pretty cool for its time and title cards were in it which was also something that was gonna be in all the other movies to come was the title cards well to, use to be because the... to be honest if you were impressed by these last two movies william i think the next three or four are gonna be even more on a scale because after yeah. all these are the basic stuffs yeah but and he, they're pretty cool but here's the thing that a lot of the things that we take for granted in movies nowadays like um twist endings and movie and and story within a story uh, which we'll talk about when we get to those episodes. Moving camera angles. Mo- uh, different camera angles. Uh, very strange sets, uh, lighting, shadow. Music. Uh, spe- special effects, uh, visuals, uh, you, know, uh, you know, text on the screen, intertitles. All those different things that, um, that we would you know, use moving forward, you're going to see those a lot in the next movies that we're going to talk about. So, and um, we are going to announce the movies that are coming up on the website and in the Twitter. Um, again, uh, so in, now, okay, wh- give me your honest opinions of this. It sounds like you you read the book. You read the book. You've seen this. I believe that it is, it's indeed a adaptation, while not very faithful. It was, it was pretty cool, I guess. For the five minutes it was. For, that was ten minutes, was it? No, was it six minutes? 
It was like it five, six felt, minutes. It felt short, really. It felt a lot shorter than Melies's movie. It was. All right, so with that, uh, since they were so short, there's there's not a lot to talk about. That's the reason why we... I mean, there, there are some things that are good to talk about, but there's not a lot of depth that we can give it other than what we've talked about here. Uh, we, we put this why we put... We'll be able to put a... There will be a lot more depth in the things that we know about. A lot like... I don't know, like 1970s things would probably have a lot more depth. Well, movies, but we're not there yet. Okay, well, well, okay. There's enough enough depth in the movies coming up, even though they are silent, that you can, we can talk about them for the whole podcast rather than splitting up and talking about two movies. We could talk about, um, we could definitely talk about the whole movie the whole time. So okay, so all right. Uh, anything else? Nope. Okay. And if you if you can wait till the end of the podcast, we'll let you know what our uh, website address is, our email, uh, our Twitter. Um, you can get a hold of all those things. Our, we're even starting up a Patreon. Uh, we do we do encourage you to uh, to kind of donate to us, help keep us going. Um, if you don't, that's fine. If you do, oh my goodness, we, you you'll be our friend for life. Um, I don't know if there's any kind of <laughs> right. I don't think there's any reward tiers. We're like really, you really seem very desperate. No, we're not that desperate, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> we're doing it. I, okay. I don't know. Okay, okay. Here's the thing: we're not desperate for money as of this point. We're just it, really grateful. It, we're really grateful. Now, the thing that that I'd like to say about that is is about the Patreon. Just real quick, I want to tell you about it. Um, a lot of podcasts will have Patreons, and they'll give away things at the different uh, tier levels. I do not know what we're going to offer so, for right now. For right now, so in the future, anything, we will anything that. you donate, just know that you're keeping us going um, and allowing us to do more of these um, and to get our equipment um, at a lot better quality. And maybe you know, and and that's uh, that's what we're talking about. So anyway, have a good one and keep watching movies. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Don't forget to open your third eye and telepathically message us at cinefanpod at gmail.com. Set your chronoscope dial to the future setting and peruse cinematicfanpodcast.wordpress.com. Hunker over your ham radio as your keen ears listen for the ghostly voices tweeting on our Twitter at CinematicFanta1. Exchange all of your money into Republic credits and donate at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cinefanpodcast ending transmission now